I'm Dr. Molly Ness, host of the End Book Deserts podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you're going to have more fun with AJ Bianco, Stacey Lindis, and me, Chris Nessie. Let's start the show. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. We don't care what time it is, we're just happy that you're listening to Podcast PD. If you're catching us on Sunday, September 6th, it's 8.30 p.m. and... We are here. It is episode 83 of Podcast PD. My name is Chris Nessie, at Mr. Nessie on Twitter. I also host the House of EdTech podcast. And of course, I am joined by my podcast compadres, Stacey Lindis and AJ Bianco. Stacey Lindis, how are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, celebrating this Memorial Day weekend. No, nope. Labor Day weekend, whatever weekend it is. Nope. It'll be Memorial Day soon enough. Let's it hope will we be. Let's start the summer over again and get a summer redo. Um, nope, celebrating Labor Day weekend here in New Jersey. Um, things are opening up. Restaurants and and gyms are opening. So I went to the gym this week just to see what it was like. It was like a ghost town. It was weird. Uh, but then it's I, like the I, gym in February. <laughs> <laughs> or March. It's even <laughs> scarier in March. Um, but then I spent some time at the shore today, down the shore today. So, you know, Very doing cool. the beachy things in New Jersey. How about you? Uh, no, no complaints. Uh, the school year sort of started. We had four days of professional development to kick off the school year. And I will meet my students and my classes on Tuesday, September 8th. So yeah, Google Tuesday. classrooms are shiny and ready to go. Oh, see, your Google Classroom, I'm like real classroom, and we only had two days of PD, so I don't know what's... I think I could have used those extra days in my classroom, to be honest. Well... It is It is what it, it is, It is right? what it is, right? <laughs> yeah. It's 2020. Yeah. AJ, what's up, Mr. Bianco? <laughs> Say, like, Mr. Bianco, like, I don't like the Mr. Bianco thing. Just, please. Like, you don't like to be well, called... I thought, I thought that was a big no. deal now. No, so you do wink. not like to be called Mr. Nessie. Well, it's not the worst thing in the world. But he does that to me. He'll be like, hey, Mr. Nessie. I do. I do that because I know it annoys you very much. So I call you Mr. <laughs> Nessie every now and then. So, no, but uh, hey, everybody, in this Labor Day weekend, speaking of opening up, schools are opening up. And uh, here we are focusing on our first almost full week with students and, and things and PD that's ending and wonderful accommodations to get started. So, woo. Very exciting. There's a new Reflect Ed that's out. I mean, we normally it talk was. about it at the end, but you got yeah, a new episode out, so that's exciting. It's okay. Yes, the new episode was released, episode four. How's the start of your school year, AJ? Anything new? Uh, we had four days of PD last week, um, so we pushed the kids back until next week, which would be uh, September 8th, 7th, 8th, 7th, 8th. I don't know. I don't even know the dates anymore. So yeah, Tuesday, eight. the kids are coming, and the teachers had four days of PD um, dealing with a variety of different things from technology to, uh, protocols for hand washing and all that kind of good stuff. So trying to get as much time for PD and setting up the classroom as much as possible. Uh, we had some pretty awesome PD on SEL and taking moments for yourself. We had a, a good speaker. So I like it. 
Yeah, we got a we got a lot of things going on in, in uh, the first month of September. So let's. So see, real uh, quick question: You said you pushed the week, you pushed the start of the school year back. Were they mm-hmm. supposed to start on Thursday? So yes, so students were okay. supposed to start on Thursday, um, but we just thought it would be better to get the PD in now, front mm-hmm. load all that, get the technology settled. So I know I, I did about four hours of PD on technology tools and helping like refreshers the Google Classroom and, and had to get started. So that was that was my day on Friday. And uh, now hopefully teachers are ready to start the year and rock out. That's awesome. Yeah. Here we go. Cool. Speaking of rocking out, we have a rocking episode coming up for you in this very episode. That was one of my better ones, right? That was a that good, was good. good transition. I like that one. <laughs> and we I just like ruined it with all the chatter about how nah, awesome it cool. was. <laughs> Got to give credit Maybe where credit is right? post. There you go. Fix it in post. So today in this episode, we are going to be talking with Randy Tomes and Bruce Reicher. And they are co-authors of a book called Scripted. And it is an educator's guide to media in the classroom. There is a third co-author who we will certainly acknowledge. Uh, but why don't we bring on our guests for this episode? Let's say good evening to Randy. Randy, how you doing tonight? Welcome to Podcast PD. I'm good. I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. We're excited to have you here. You are from Indiana. You've been an educator for 25 years. Congratulations on that. You get a watch or something, right? <laughs> and uh, you teach digital design and communication at the elementary level. That's very exciting. I do. Yes. It's been a... Uh... It's been amazing. Past uh, this is my eighth year as this in this position, but I've been I've been doing the media thing for all throughout. Um, just integrating whatever I could media wise into my lessons as a fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade teacher back in the day. So, um, Very cool. And we're also joined tonight by Bruce Reicher. And uh, Bruce, don't say anything yet because well, I got something special as I promised I would. There we go. We have the second best cousin, Brucey, on the internet with us tonight, Bruce Reicher. Bruce, what's up, man? That's that's probably the finest introduction I've had on any podcast that I've done. They usually don't have that fanfare. That was fantastic. Yeah. You know, it's actually funny because uh, two days ago in preparation for this, I said, oh, I mentioned last episode that I was going to have the cousin Brucey stuff. So I went out to YouTube and I searched cousin Brucey song and... You know, I'm familiar with it by the Four Seasons and everything. And the first video that came up was yeah. Cousin Brucey, final air check, August 1st, 2020. I'm like, oh, my God, did he die or did he retire? So I dug deeper real quick, and I found out that he has left Sirius Satellite Radio. And yesterday, August, uh, uh, sorry, yesterday, September 5th, he went live and he's back on terrestrial radio back on the station he started at in 1961 77 wabc am and he's going to do a three-hour show on saturday nights from six to nine cousin brucey is back nice no that's awesome i grew i grew up with him and that's pretty cool that he's back to where he started and that's where everybody remembers him from uh if you grew up in this area cousin brucey was it well in the in the set in the the 70s I, I haven't been alive as long as you. So for me, Cousin wow. Brucey is, you know, CBS <laughs> FM 101.1. 1. 
Wow. What a welcome to guests, Chris. <laughs> I hit him with both compliment and, you know, a kick in the. <laughs> it's a backhanded yeah. compliment, is what it's called. Yeah, right. But anyway, it's very, well, it kind of fits in with what we're doing tonight, creating media and broadcasting in the classroom. So, you know, somebody had to teach Cousin Brucey what to do. So we got Bruce here. We got Randy here. Uh, the person that we are missing is their co author, Paula Needlinger. And she is also from Indiana. She is a globally connected 28-year middle school veteran media and English educator, presenter, and author. She's got a couple of other books that she is the solo author of, which we will link to in the show notes out of podcastpd.com slash 83. But Paula can't be with us tonight. So we have Bruce and Randy. So, And you know, it's very, it's, it's actually very apropos. You started with a cousin Brucey going back to radio because one of the things that I'm a little bit jealous of with Randy and Paula is they have radio stations at their schools. And I'm excited that on the scriptededucators.com website, we're going to have a radio station on our website that we can run podcasts from live shows from. And I've actually been to Randy's school in Indiana a couple of years ago during spring break when we were just starting to write the book. And he has very young students who are spinning records every Friday at his school and like DJing. It's unbelievable. Randy, like real records? Like, yeah. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, so years about, I guess it was five years ago or six years ago. I saw Paul, I saw Paula present on doing radio in the, in the school. She teaches middle school. And I thought, well, why not with this position? We have a, a media studio where we are putting out our our newscast each afternoon through the school and uh i said well not let's let's get this let's take this a step further since we're a magnet school for communication i said let's let's see what we can do about getting a radio station here and paula and i and bruce were in new york um uh, a couple a couple years ago and um we were there for the conference for the radio conference and uh paula and i were in a record store i'm a record collector and uh love it and uh, she she was look, she was with me and she was looking at some stereos. She said, "Yeah, you should try to hook up a, um, a turntable to the sound to the soundboard." And I said, "You know, Paul, I tried to do that through the TV, but I, I haven't tried to do it through the radio yet." So I was like, "I'm going to do that when I get back." And so I have an old teacher box box uh, turntable, and I have about twenty three hundred forty fives in my collection at home. So I'll, I'll, we'll do topics and I'll say to the kids, what do you want to do there? And so I'll say, what does anyone want to do? Aretha Franklin. I've got probably 30 or 40 Aretha Franklins. And so they'll research Aretha. They'll research some background on her. They'll put their script together. They'll order the songs they want to play and they'll broadcast, uh, um, they'll turn, they'll turn records. And it takes time because you got to, you got to teach these fifth and sixth graders how to put, actually put a needle on the record. And, you know, and not damage it and just take care of it. And a A side, a B side, what the label looks like. I mean, you wouldn't believe everything you have to teach these kids. But when they learn it, they love it. And I've had kids' parents come to me, you know what my kid asked for Christmas? They asked for a turn. (laughs) Well, good good for them. So they do that. Um, So we turn records. We also run a a Friday morning contest, and the teachers are getting into it. The teachers just told me um, this Friday we ran a contest, and the theme was show tunes. So – the, they play five songs through our radio station. All the classrooms tune in. They have to um, figure out the artist and the, the title and the artist, and they get their name into a drawing. And then so on the day, on the news that afternoon on, on the television news, we'll have one of the DJs come on 
and he'll we have a, a we pump in a, a wheel through the TriCaster um, um, on the computer. It's just you type in the names and it's a spinning wheel, and wh- whoever wins gets to have the golden record. It's a golden record. Um, hang outside their classroom for the for the next week. So now they're getting T-shirts. The, the teachers are making T-shirts. I've got a gold record. I mean, it's just, it's kind of grown. It's kind it's kind of its own little monster. That's just you know, it started with this small idea, and it's just, it's grown. And now teachers are getting T-shirts printed, and it's it, it gets everybody jazzed on a Friday morning from seven thirty-five to eight o'clock when the kids are walking in. They're listening to music. They're learning about music. The kids. The, the, the three DJs who do it, two of them are at home doing virtual. One's live in the studio, so we'll we'll boot the uh, Zoom call in for the soundboard. And so it's like they're in there, you know. All this, nothing's stopping us. It didn't stop us during COVID. I just took the the computer home. It runs through Backbone. Backbone Radio is our software, and they're out of Boston, and they uh, they've been great, especially through the COVID, because the kids could still run their live shows through Zoom all March, April, and May. I had a schedule where, you know, they would call in and we would put our shows out and the kids would listen and the teachers would listen to, and they were all from our houses. And I had all the records at my house. So I just, um, we'd still do the records on Fridays and I would just, I would just spin them for the kids. But I mean, it, it just, with, with the Zoom and everything that's gone on, it, I mean, Backbone was an incredible support for us to carry on that education. And the kids, they, I mean, their parents, they're talking to their parents about music. Their parents are like, why don't you run this and why don't you do this? And they're learning about, uh, you know, the, the music that's kind of, you know, developed their parents. And now they're learning and they're passing it on. And that, that, that's to me, I love that. And we're we're lucky enough, Chris, in our book uh, scripted, we have Backbone Radio, Wakelet and We Video. The CEOs from those companies wrote sections in our book about how their products could be used for media in the classroom. And um, like I said, I'm honestly, I'm jealous. Backbone Radio, I wish we had it at my school that, you know, they give you all the software. The hardware is really just a headset and a computer, and it all runs through their software that they could do radio shows. And when I visited Indiana two years ago and saw this, I mean, picture fifth and sixth graders, and I saw younger kids in that too, Randy, just putting on headsets and being DJs. Honestly, I was blown away. It's it's really nice because it's just another outlet for these kids. They come to me for 45 minutes. Um, it's a little different this year. I see that each class for a week. So I'll see first through six each day, but I'll see the same class for a week. But they come to me and they can develop these projects, whether it's a second grader creating a tagline for the school. They, they will take a little digital recorder, record their voice, click it into their Chromebook, upload it, put it in their Google Drive, and send it to me. So I've got second graders that are learning to record. Now with WeVideo, you don't even need the digital recorders anymore because WeVideo you can podcast on. So they'll do their podcast straight to WeVideo, send it to me, and it can be on the radio. It just gets inserted into the line. So we've got music playing. We've got shows playing. So these kids, I mean, for pretty much uh, first grade, they do joke of the day. So even first graders get on, and they'll do a joke of the day, which is, I mean – Incredible! It's a lot of fun. All right, so let's let's go back for a second, Randy, because okay. you're you're throwing all this at me. You know, this all is, right, this yeah, is, this is awesome stuff. I'm not, I'm not I'm not not saying this in a negative way at all. I have a seven year old. <laughs> I said, log on to the computer. He said to me, "What does that mean?" So you were telling me you have kids who are my son's age, in second grade, third grade, yep. fourth grade, fifth grade, so on yep. and so on, yep. and they are logging on to a computer, creating wee videos. They are using Google Drive, sending emails, uploading. So yep. is this a 
Is this a whole teacher on board process where everybody is teaching the skills to use Chromebooks? Or is this coming from your class or somebody else's technology class that gets the kids really started in this venture? We are, uh, we just this year became one-to-one Chromebook second through sixth. We were third grade through sixth. My classroom I had set up as the first graders come in and, and for, for this year, for some reason, the township, we got, we got 12,000, 16,000 kids in our district. And for some reason, the teachers voted to do first grade iPads. And for my class, it just, I, I need them on Chromebooks. But so I have a, a set of my, of my own Chromebooks in my classroom that I put the first graders on and I have for years. And I get them started on simple Google programs, Google drawings and Google slides. So these first graders, yes, are putting together presentations on, so they'll do a joke of the day. So the joke of the day, now first graders, are they uploading their voice and, 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 and putting the, putting it in? They're not there yet, but my second graders are. So the first graders are learning to design on Google drawings, save it as a, a PNG or a JPEG, send it to me and share it with me. And we can take that and put that in the background on a short uh, joke of the day for our news co- podcast, our news um, broadcast at the end of the day. So the, we'll, the, the anchors will say, Look, next, we got a first grade joke of the day. And they'll come on telling their joke with their picture that they drew in Google Drawings popping up. So they're getting their voice out there. And we can take that same recording and upload that to the Backbone Radio, just the audio. That's cute. That's awesome. Yeah. So it, it, it's a whole curriculum that sets up. And these kids, my goal is by the time they're in sixth grade, they've been through the completely through the Google suite and then some. So we're using mm-hmm. programs like Lucid Press, Lucid Chart. Uh, and they're seeing. I mean, I've got third graders introducing me to new things. I had a uh, uh, he's a fourth grader now. A fourth grader come to me uh, yesterday. We were doing flaming text and creating text for a poster. He says, "Have you done font font meme yet?" And I said, "No." He's like, "Well, come here. I want to show you." So I, these kids are showing me. And I'm taking what some of these kids are giving me, and I'm just, you know, I'm like, here, here, this, this is, here it is. Let's pass it on. And you got to, and, and one thing that I talk about is you got to trust the kids with the equipment. Yeah, you can't. I mean, yeah, these, these, this equipment's expensive, but don't buy a, a ten thousand dollar TriCaster and, and the teacher that won't be the only one to touch it. That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It's for the kids. The kids have got to sit down. The kids have got to learn. And if you look at my newscast, are they perfect? No, they're not perfect because the kids are learning. They're they're fifth and sixth graders putting on and producing a live a live show through YouTube, and, and so that that's what this book is about: is how can a teacher take what do they need? You know, what's the simple simple things they need, or you can go extravagant, and you can find what works for you and your school and your students. I got to say, I am super jealous because I remember when I was growing up that. You know, I would watch Saved by the Bell, and you got to those episodes where they had like the Bayside High radio station, and I was oh, yeah. like in middle school, getting into high school. The big Bopper. I was like, man, the Kick Big Bopper, Rich Belding. Yeah. <laughs> and I, w- I always wished, and my school didn't have that. And when I left, they got a TV studio. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from being friends with Bruce, I know that his school is doing amazing things, and there's a lot of other schools out there that are doing live morning news, or, you know, my own high school now, they do, you know, live to tape, and, you know, they distribute it. Ah, man, I, I wish I could be a student doing this. Oh, wait, I get to do this because I do stuff like this. So <laughs> exactly. it, it's never too late. Never <laughs> I, too late. I, I thought you were going to have Miles go virtual on his show. I've heard your well, son's I, podcast. I think Miles can handle it. 
he he could, uh, but but he also made the big boy decision that I don't want to do the vacuum podcast anymore. So that the show doesn't exist. Oh but, no! You know. Oh no. Well, well, I mean, he he made He's that choice. Up. I said, well, well, really, I said to him, I've got the files, but I said, hey, buddy, do you want to do this because? I don't feel like ponying up another $9 for this domain name if you're not going to make any more episodes. So he's like, you can let the domain go. I'm okay. So I still have the episodes, but he got that exposure at the age of eight. And, you know, AJ, he was on here, what, almost a year ago? And, and we talked to him about uh, earlier during with the COVID. We had him on. Yeah, we had him on here. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, sure did. I mean, I mean the know, important... little, kids can do this. Yeah, the important thing, I mean, I saw you know, uh, with my own eyes, I ran these school, but I knew from middle school kids too, if you set the bar high for them, for anything, media included, they go and they reach for it. I mean, on our live show that we've done for 13 years, we have no bloopers. The kids step up, they do the show live, they know what's expected, and they can produce an eight to 10 minute live show every single day. And we also, we'll go through three rehearsals in class periods and that's the time if kids can't handle it, it's just pretty easy to say once you get going, if you can't do it seriously and you can't do it without laughing right now, then you're not going to be able to go on go on air and do the show and we'll find, you know, another job for you. Uh, but I really think, you know, media creation, which is what this book is about, um, ties into future skills that even if they don't end up being DJs or broadcasters, all of those things, those future skills of problem solving, working together, collaborating, um, you know, they're all used in media production and creating something. Um, it could be, you know, whatever teachers uh, create with their students. And I think a lot of teachers think it's much more difficult to start um, than it has to be um, that one of the premises of the book is just use what you have. So especially in remote learning, you could use your phone, you could use your Chromebook, whatever has a camera and microphone on it, start creating from your uh, curriculum. It's it's not just about you know these kids these kids go and, they, and a teacher will see uh, code.org and code.org it's a great it's a it's a great website for them to go to to you know learn about coding and things like that but can they really take what they're what they're creating in code.org and other sites like that and and why, ask yourselves well what 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 now the question is always what now what do I do with it I turn the computer off and I turn it on again. My kids know they see their projects. They're either going to go out through our daily news, they're going to go out through the radio, or they're going to put on the big screen in the school somehow. So they're physically seeing the stuff that they're creating, whether it's a poster, whether it's a newscast, whether it's a, a radio show or an announcement or whatever simplified thing they're doing. They're going to see it and hear it somehow around the school or even in the community. And that's, that's it. It really is like for the gen ed teacher, it's an amplification and an, like a, an emphasized platform that is created for what you're already doing in the classroom. So my kids are already having conversation. Now we're recording conversation and we're sharing it with a, with a more global audience or a bigger audience than the kids that are sitting in that turn and talk circle or, or their partnership or whatever. So yeah, I like what you're saying because I feel like Anyone could do it. It's just a matter of like, how do we get there? Right. And hopefully through the book, you, you guys would, uh, the book would, I mean, we laid it out and we finally, we had been looking, we've been looking for, you know, all these years when we're developing, we've been developing our newscasts and, and things like that. We were looking for a book to, to, to lay it out for us and there was nothing out there. So Paula got us together and said, why don't we put something together? I, I know this guy in Jersey, Bruce. 
great guy. And, and we, through uh, Google yeah. Hangouts, started talking and started writing this book. And we did it all what, like what we're doing right now. We did, I mean, we, we met each other. A lot of the book was written when we finally met each other in New York. But we really we got a little bit done. And then Bruce came out here for a weekend and we got together and did that. But most of it was done through conversations like this. And, you know, Rand's exactly right. I mean, we looked high and low for books that were out there and the only ones that we could find were college level books. And you take a look at the publishing date on many of them and 2005, 2010 just doesn't cut it. You know, something that's 10 years old with technology, um, most of the things in there, you know, were outdated. And one of the things that we have in our book and one of like the partners for the book is Wakelet. And we're doing a Wakelet site with the book, not necessarily as the same thing as the book, but just to keep updated as we see updated tools and distance learning wasn't even a thing as we were writing the book. So we have a whole section on the Wakelet site on distance learning, infographics, websites to go to, um, to try to keep it updated and, uh, you know, to keep it fresh. And, um, you know, as I said, Mizba from Wakelet, if you're familiar with him, he's one of their uh, PR guy or PR guys and that works there. He wrote a whole section in the book of exactly how Wakelet could be used in the classroom, you know, with students to uh, to promote media. Now, I'm, I'm glad you said that, Bruce, because when it must have been it was a while ago where you said, hey, I'm going to be writing this book and this is what the topic is going to be. And whenever and this is just me. Whenever I hear somebody getting ready to write a book and it's about technology, I kind of raise an eyebrow to say, and I, and I start to think, well, as soon as that book comes out, it, it, it's got the potential to be outdated. And how would you keep something like a, like that current? So the idea that you've got this accompanying website, scriptededucators.com, and the support of the Wakelet technology to basically have that thing that you can keep updating, uh, that, that makes me now think that the content of the book would be more evergreen and it doesn't matter if you read it now or you read it in, you know, I can't say five years. If you read it in a year, the content of the book is going to be solid to support things like curriculum and give you advice about equipment. And, and you mentioned, and I love that idea of just whatever you got, just start, just start. Right. You know? So again, that, that extra resource to keep current is, is super valuable for anybody who gets this book. Yeah, no, we, we thought that was valuable. And the third partner we have is we video, which you guys have heard me talk about before. And, you know, we video we, we video, what, I don't know, what is we video, <laughs> we video in, in, in remote learning, um, it is a home run. And I know a lot of high schools, which I question if high schools would use we video because it seems like a K through six, K through eight thing to me. You know what? Those high schools learned a hard lesson if they were doing Adobe or Final Cut Pro yeah. and then distance learning came. And guess what? You can't get to computer number one in the classroom because mm -hmm. you're not there from March to June. A lot of high schools in the country have really jumped on the Wii video bandwagon because you could do it from any device and it's not platform specific. And That's now we about it for elementary. Mm -hmm. Now we video has added to you could do animated GIFs or GIFs, whatever you like to say. Uh, create videos, create podcasts and screencasts all in one place. And I know there's a lot of other programs out there for all of those things that might be more powerful by themselves. But I think because we video has all of them, it works with Microsoft that will work with Google products. Um, we're so happy to have we video as a part of the book. And that's one thing in common. All three of our schools do have is that for video production, that has been our go-to uh, for the past couple of years is WeVideo. And as you mentioned, Chris, there is parts in the book that 
go through all these different third-party tools that you can also use. So I think another theme is you don't have to just have this one thing. You know, there's not one way to do any of these media projects. It's more use what you have, especially with remote learning. And again, the, the tools that exist today, they might not exist tomorrow. Right. And so if, if it's we video today, there might be another or a new <clears throat> comp competitor that that's web-based video editing and production that again, it's about the skills and Randy, from hearing what you talked about, you're equipping and empowering your students with these skills that if it's not Google in 10 years, or if it's not, we video, or if it's not Adobe, your kids are going to have these skills to edit video, communicate, collaborate, and create content. And that's, what that's, what they do. and that's what they need from day one. When they walk into my classroom, when a child is, that's been touching a screen for, you know, since they've been born and they haven't been using a keyboard or using a, a or using a mouse pad, they learn, need to learn that muscle memory. And so, you know, that, that, that's what I've been doing with these kids. Their first week with me is they need to learn that muscle memory to log in. They need to know where the numbers are. They need to know how to hold the shift key down. They need to understand that when I click on this X, it closes the window. Or if I click on this box, it makes the window uh, bigger. But once they start learning all these skills, it's going to help them with whatever's out, whatever's coming out next. It's going to help them understand or be intuitive, intuitive to right click and know how to right click using a mouse pad. Uh, very simple. I mean, you ask any first grader at the end of the year how to right click. They, they better know how to right click if they've had my my class because they know it's two fingers on the mouse pad. They can right click. And so it's just simple tools like that. And you give them and, and you enable them. They'll discover and they'll teach you. That's what I love about it yeah. is they're discovering and they're teaching me new things. Me too. And, you know, the amazing thing with these kids, if you think about it, any kid from K through 12, they only grew up with the Internet. You know, they don't know anything before that. So once you get them into the programs to do it, their prior knowledge is so much more than I, I could speak for myself than I ever had. I mean, I had that great worksheet in third grade on the ENIAC, which was terrific. But that was about it. It was a worksheet and two questions was my computer background, you know, in elementary and probably middle school. Um, but I think that's what we're seeing from not only Randy's students, my students, all these different students in the country are so creative with media. And Stacey, you made a great point before is uh, we get questions from doing the book of like, where do I start? Where do I start? Start with your curriculum of exactly what you teach and what you do. And the media, the podcast, the video, making a multimedia presentation, it's not replacing anything. It could just be another choice that you give students to show exactly what they know. And if they don't want to choose it, that's fine. Right. But they have the choice to choose something like that. And more and more of them are choosing these media projects. And I love the cross-curricular, you know, you can get everything in together. And this started before I was this type of teacher. I mean, I was a fifth grade teacher. And I was sitting there one day and I was like, Pinewood Derby. I'm like, this would be awesome to teach physics skills to the kids at school. And, you know, all of a sudden this Pinewood Derby you know, we're 20 years later and now we're, we're, you can film it live. You can, the, the kids advertise their team. The kids write uh, friendly letters. There's the language art. They, they have to write a, a letter to a company, a business letter to a company. The companies write back and send things. They, they use the logos. They design the logos. They're designing commercials to, 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 for their team. I mean, it all goes in together. They're using the technology and, and at the end, they've got this huge race in the in the gym that's being filmed live with our with our television equipment, and you could even broadcast it with the radio. What's going on? So they're they're seeing the connection of everything. 
And we also have in the book, like the second top question is a lot of times just funding. Like, where do you get the money to do this? Even if you use what you have, which is a, a, a nice thing to say, honestly, if your school district does have it, we know, um, you know, with the digital, what the balance is right now in the country of people that have and have not. But we actually do have in the book, and Paula's not here, but she has ACES, like in her community, she had nothing at all in her school. She had her kids go into her town in Plymouth, Indiana, and go pitch all the stores. And for those stores, they get radio commercials, TV commercials, all these media, media announcements, yearbook. She funded her whole radio and TV studio with advertising dollars from people in her community. And then the kids went back to the ice cream shop and all the different places to make commercials for them and 30-second bits and everything. So there, there are creative ways to do it. And that's one of the ideas, too, in the book is you don't need thousands of dollars to start like a full-fledged radio or TV studio. Obviously, start with what you got. But there are easy ways um, you know, to do it the way Paula did it. Or in New Jersey, I know it's popular, the education foundations. And in my own district, that's how we funded a lot of the TV studio is through education foundation, PTO, PTA, and just looking for different sources that want to help you. And what Randy was saying with broadcasting these things and bringing people something tangible that they could see, it's really powerful when you see, okay, here are these local stores and now they're getting more business because you know, the middle school in Plymouth, Indiana is advertising for them, not like one or two commercials, like doing five commercials a day, as many as they can on the radio and TV, um, that it really benefited those businesses too. And I love that because again, if you get lucky, let's say, and you do what Paula did, you could get a lot of money very quickly and have a really nice start if you want to get this off the ground. Or if it takes a little more time, you can certainly build something over a few school years. And, you know, these are exact concepts I talk about when I've presented on podcasting and why schools should have podcasts or, you know, YouTube channels. You know, you can get that studio outfitted. You can get some top-notch gear and software and give your kids access to professional things. And even if you can't, again, there are things that will be good enough to just get going, to just hit record. Um, so, yeah, I, I love it. I love the idea of getting community involved. And uh, schools are community centers. You know, schools, I mean, everybody's in most places, you gotta, you, you're voting on your, you know, your budget, your tax dollars are funding the schools. So to get the community involved and see all the great things that are happening, because then what do these school radio shows, podcasts, and news programs do? they talk about all the wonderful things happening in the school. So why wouldn't we want to do that? Yeah, no, definitely. And I just have a message from him. He apologized. He lost his connection again. And I don't think he's going to be back for tonight. So thank you for, for having him on. I think he had a family obligation possibly uh, anyway, but, and, and he's moved into a new house. So I think that's why his, oh, wow. his uh, Wi-Fi was a little bit wonky there, but um no, he, he does an amazing job with the elementary students. And I agree with you 100%, Chris, is like whatever way fits your school. And it might be different for every school of ways that you possibly could fund things. I think one of the most powerful things to do, and I get this question with we Video, because we Video, there is a light version that's free. But the version that has green screen and everything else in it is a paid version. And yet you could do it on a $150 Chromebook. It doesn't come with, you know, your iPad or MacBook, which iMovie comes with, but you have to, you know, pay a certain price for it. But to me, the easiest way to do it is get things for free 
get the pilot from WeVideo, use it for three or four months, create content with it. And then whoever is that decision maker in your school, go to them and show them, you know, this is what in Randy's case, like second and third graders have produced or middle school or high school. It doesn't really matter which level. This is what we could do with this tool. And this is why we need it. And then you have something tangible, you know, to show them instead of just saying, you know, it might be good if we had something like WeVideo that kids could log into uh, because there there is a cost to it. It's not it's not free. And the WeVideo thing is it's a subscription and it's a yearly subscription. So it's not that you buy it once and then, you know, and then it goes away. So budgeting does become uh, a question. I know in my own school, too. They actually just send a Google form. Well, they send it every year. Which databases are we using and which ones are we not using? So they took one database that we weren't using as much and looked at all the stats. And instead of buying that database every year, they now now purchase uh, WeVideo for every single person uh, in the school district. Bruce, so the, the title of the book, again, Scripted, An Educator's Guide to Media in the Classroom. I'm, I'm going to say that that's intentional because it's not called Scripted, a middle school TV teacher's guide to media in the TV curriculum and TV classroom. So what would a teacher like me, social studies or a math teacher or a science teacher, why would we want to get this book and what value would a teacher who's not teaching media production, why, why, why should they get this book? Yeah. I think if you're a teacher who doesn't teach media, this book will just show you different steps that you need to take in order to have your students create media. If you had questions of what type of hardware should I use? What type of software should I use? Um, the thickest part of the book is the curriculum chapter. I think it's over 70 pages of a 200 page book. And in that curriculum chapter, it outlines K through 12, all proven projects that we've done. Basically, not written as a lesson plan, but the lessons we've done, rubrics that we've done, assessments that we've done. And, you know, we just lay out exactly what you would need to do. So I think for most classroom teachers, if I were reading this from their lens, I would go through this and hope and think that I could find five or six different ideas that I can now adapt in my own curriculum if they are just audio podcasts, if they are video recordings, getting more multimedia into um, Google slideshows or PowerPoint shows. Really just to, we were thinking of, of the book, we were almost in the beginning called it like a recipe guide that it might not be a cover to cover book, but something that, you know, I need something and it's not curriculum specific that it says social studies, science or math. It just says this is a good lesson to do and you're going to have to adopt it or adapt it to whatever you're teaching. Uh, but we hope, you know, it's through the lens of you don't need a lot of money to start. And here's exactly how you could do it. The other important part is at the end of the book, we have a glossary of every single term that you would ever need for media. And I think that's also another good place to start if you're going to do this in a school district, K through 12, or even in a middle school, elementary school, or high school. So everybody's using common language um, who are making videos or are making audio production. For example, if you're going to start teaching shooting in thirds that you don't want people to videotape and have the subject in the middle of the screen, if everybody had common knowledge and used that same terminology, the kids would understand and also, uh, you know, the teachers would understand. So I, I would think for the common teacher, this will give you a lot of ideas of what you could do, a lot of different tools that maybe you heard of. It explains them to you. And I know the three of us, most of the tools that are in here, um, they're not expensive tools at all. They're microphones, tripods, 
uh, different lighting kits that we use. Um, and these are actual ones that we've used in the classroom. And I think that's why the book is doing well and talking to educators and teachers well is this is not a crowdsourced book and there's nothing wrong with crowdsourced books, but we didn't go visit anybody else's school. We didn't go visit 10 other teachers and find out what they were doing. Rather, each of us have taught, I think, over 25 years now, um, mm-hmm. which besides meaning that we're old, um, that we have a lot of experience doing it and, um, you know, have given all those tips and tricks in the book of all the things that we've done. And hopefully, you know, a first grade teacher or a 12th grade teacher could read this book and get a lot from it and use it in the classroom the next day, which is the intent of any, you know, of this professional development of, you know, what could I do with it? And then in turn, what can my students create with it? On a side note, I am glad that you guys wrote the book and, and you have the, the company partners who also contributed. But uh, personally, I, I don't know. I, I always raise an eyebrow at the book where it's like, my name's on the cover and 37 other people actually wrote the rest of the book. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not putting anybody down. It's all good. I appreciate all the education books. But if you take a look at a lot of them that are put out and I read them and they're very good, a lot of the books are, you know, we went out and we interviewed 40 experts and we crowdsourced and this is all we came up with. And, you know, I just say that our book is different that I know every single thing that we wrote in the book we didn't research any of it. It's exactly what we've done. There is no. It's kind of funny. No, it's funny, right? But it's like there is no. There's nothing in the back saying who all the sources are. Like nobody you know, fact checked it. It, it. it could all be opinion. Yeah, the, it, it's all us. I mean, we we do have I think uh, ISTE standards in there. That's one. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's that's about it. I mean, there's nothing else. I actually, saying, just double checked. You have I think there are five separate glossaries. So you even break it down even further into, I think, film, uh, audio, um, video, video. Yeah. And then I think there's one that's just even called like basic terms. And I really learn I, I learn a lot by knowing what the terminology is. And I share with you, I don't have a radio station at my school and reading through, you know, the glossary that Randy and Paula came up with and backbone radio. It's, it's pretty cool. I mean, that when he's talking about kids in second and third grade, well, you, you know from your own kids, I mean, six and seven-year-olds producing media and doing it, I saw firsthand, like, no problem. Like, just put on the headphones. Here's a script. Here's what you're reading today. They understood what they had to click on the screen, and they press a button, and they're going live on Backbone Radio. And the other really cool part of it is it's live in their school, but Backbone Radio is also um, through an app. So actually, you know, through AI devices, they could say their school radio station name in their home, and it's going to start playing that station, which I think is like an unbelievable thing. And, you know, obviously totally opposite that what I grew up with was here's the paper that I did in second grade and now go put it on the refrigerator for a week and then it gets thrown off and something else gets put up. You know, how cool is it to come home and say, you know, play my school's radio station, it plays, and then you hear your son or daughter doing any type of those things, spinning records, newscasts, um, you know, all of those. And the Backbone Radio is getting further into, they're in high schools already, but in middle schools and elementary schools in the country, they also run like 400 internet uh, radio stations that are on the air. Um, and I, I've met them when we were in New York City for this IBS radio conference. And, you know, the engineer for them is like unbelievable that we're having dinner with them one night. And he's like, oh, excuse me for a second. I just have to put like three stations back on the air and then goes on his phone 
goes into the servers that are running these stations. He's like, oh, yeah, I just put like four of them back on the air. No problem. So it, it's the technology with it um, is amazing. And I think, you know, a lot of schools, it's catching on more and more. And, you know, the best thing is the students at this IBS conference. And I see it every day with my media students and they do, you know, everybody is concentrating now and more focus on SEL and wellness. And I can tell you firsthand, there is no better SEL or wellness than have a student make a podcast, have a student make a video, have a student use any type of media. They feel good doing it because they're creating something from scratch that they're proud of. And I bring out the radio piece and podcasting too, because as you know, a lot of students don't feel comfortable being on video. That's fine. It could just be audio and all the things that Randy and Paul, I have them doing it myself. If they go through the writing process or the process of doing all these things, researching, writing it, recording it, the more they do it, the more comfortable they get. And that's not just kids. I mean, adults get more comfortable. I'm again, when, when I started podcasting in 2014, I don't know what the hell I was doing. Some people would tell you I still don't, and I'm doing it for seven years. So, again, it, it's you talked about muscle memory before. It's it's building these skills, and if the the earlier you can start to teach kids or expose them to these things, the better it's going to be when they when you know they get later in life. You know, um, yeah, no, no, I definitely I say, we had a comment in the chat. Alex uh, Podchaski checking in on Facebook, and he's looking forward to picking up the book if he can get past the start of the school year. <laughs> where he's at, I believe Alex is uh, down in Florida. So he, he thanks you for writing this. And uh, Stephanie commented on YouTube, uh, referring back to the fact that somebody can talk to their uh, Amazon device. I won't say her name because she's on my desk or their Google device. And uh, again, extended family. That That's fantastic. That again, you're knocking down the walls and you're not just in your school or, you know, during homeroom listening to or watching these things. It can be global and Again, we talk about authentic audiences all the time when we have students creating. Super powerful. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's funny. I was just going to use the same exact words as you of authentic is there is a real audience for here, not only in the school, but also all the parents at home. And then, you know, with Paula's idea with the community of you do commercials for the local place. Well, guess what radio station they're running the whole day in their store? You know, they're running the school's radio station, not only to hear their commercial, but at the same time, you know, they're promoting the school. So I really think it is a fantastic tool. And I think more and more middle schools and even elementary schools, um, you know, could start doing it. And I'm excited. Our website is scriptededucators.com and Backbone Radio was nice enough. They're giving us a radio station for the website. And I think I'm the most excited one out of the three of us because I don't know how to use it at all, but I'm excited to learn how to program it, put podcasts on it. I know they also have technology that's called Lucy, where you can actually go from your cell phone and go live right to the radio station. Uh, so that, that's a really cool thing that they have. I know Paula last year had students in middle school, uh, seventh and eighth grade broadcasting high school games through this like Lucy technology. And then people in the town were listening to the football games over their, uh, you know, local radio station, which they could get, uh, you know, through through an app. Um, and then, like I said, the AI thing, I think, is the coolest thing is you could just say, play my school's radio station. And, you know, most people at this point, not everybody, but have those AI things in their houses that, uh, you know, will play anything, including it could be your son or daughter's, you know, voice from whatever show they did or game that maybe they announced. 
Yeah, and the thing I like about this, yeah, the thing I like about this, like my sons are going back to school virtually. Um, The type of and and you know my one son is in an engineering class, and so that's like, like that's his biggest struggle as far as not being back in the classroom this year is that he will not get to participate in actually that that authentic creation for that class. With all of these tools, as we were saying earlier, it doesn't matter if you're virtual or hybrid or in-person or not, because so much of content creation, as Chris likes to talk about all the time, is like create the content, just hit record. All of that can be done remotely for the most part, as long as you're using a, a platform that has a universal base, like that's web-based or, you know, isn't, like you said, device one or device two. Yeah. No, and you know, one thing that I did myself, I mean, I, I do talk a lot about WeVideo and that's what the students have on their Chromebooks, but I also honor and understand when we went remote, I said, use whatever you want. You know, I'm going to show you WeVideo, but if you want to use quick from, um, the little, um, GoPro cameras, you want to use their software, you want to use clips on an iPhone, you have Sony Vegas, whatever you have. I mean, you can use other things if you want. And I think the choice also plays a big part in, you know, doing these projects with students. And I know one thing that was brought up in my school, I don't know about your schools, but in terms of assessment, people saying, well, how do you know that their parents aren't doing the test? Well, go give them a media project, like let them go and create it by themselves. And you'll also get a variety of all different projects. And I started using a lot more choice boards last year. Instead of giving one assignment, give six different ones that they could pick from. And, you know, there is no test of how to use the microphone, how to use the tripod, how to hold your camera the right way. You learn it by doing it. And then, you know, by the type of projects, uh, you know, that they hand in. And one point that Randy made, even with the younger kids, was to show them some of those fundamentals. I was surprised even in remote learning, we had students host our remote TV show and we had the first couple of weeks do it. And the shows were good. The content was good. And we would send scripts to kids that they helped us write they would record them in like one minute and we'd be like, no, 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 you're hosting the show. Don't stay in your bedroom and just have the camera. So you could see black on the left and right. Like you have to hold your camera landscape. You have to go to different places. This is how you could do different openings. And one of the things that we really leverage with remote learning, we did zoom. We do zoom conferences now with any student that's on our TV show to just go over those things. And, you would be shocked or not that you have to show someone, you know, hold your camera like this when you're recording, because like this, you're going to get letterbox on it and, you know, different tips and basically brainstorming with the students. You're doing something for SEL and wellness. Go videotape that when you're like standing under a tree or outside someplace, you know, in your house. And you don't have to record every single thing in your bedroom and do it quickly, you know, but put some quality into it. There was a lot of teaching that went on there that, yeah, they got the things recorded and they got them done quickly, but the quality that they could do, you can, you can really coach them up and teach them a lot of, a lot of those skills that they need. So speaking of skills, Bruce, what are some, um, like you gave us some tips and, you know, I'm definitely looking for more of that, but what are some best practices for teachers to instill and impart with their kids? I mean, I think when you do any of these media projects, the biggest thing that you could do is the more planning that you could have them do before they go out and record, the better. And almost think of it like the writing process. I do the same thing with the creation process of start with brainstorming, get all of their ideas. And 
in my own kids and middle school kids, I'm like just slowing them down. Like you just don't run with the first idea you have. Come up with five, figure out the angles of them, then plan everything out, approve their plan, whether they storyboard it. Or a lot of times I just have them do it in a Google Doc of exactly who are you interviewing? What questions are you going to ask them? Where are you going to ask them? You have to email the teachers to find out when you could you know, get them. So some of the uh, logistics and then they actually go out and do the recording of it. And then when they come back, do the editing and then, you know, finally put it together. So one of the things that I would tell teachers who are just starting out doing this is start the project small and do something that you're doing in your curriculum. And maybe it could even just be an audio or a video of like an exit ticket just so they get used to doing it. And you also get used to the workflow that's involved because I know for doing it for a long time, the workflow, I understand what it is, but creating anything in media, everything's going to take three or four times longer than you think. And I have teachers in my own school will come up and say, yeah, we're going to brainstorm, plan, record, and publish the podcast in one period. And I'm like, well, you give possibly, yourself one week. Yeah, you possibly could. I'm not saying you can't. But right, the quality of it is not going to be as good. And also, there's so many different teaching things along the way that you could do is all those things that I listed become separate lessons of how do you brainstorm and find the lead and find the angle, plan it out and show them how to do it. And, you know, they want to rush through everything, which is fine, you know, in my classroom to get to the cameras and go out and start videotaping. Uh, but before they even go do that open-ended and close-ended questions to go through with them. So they're just not asking people all close-ended questions and you don't have any answers, you know, at all. So I think there's a lot of skills that go in there that you can show them before, you know, they go out and do it. And then some of the lessons also just become feedback on these are really good exemplars of people that ask good open-ended questions. And here are some that they asked yes or no questions. It's going to be you know, it's going to be a very, very quick interview, but I would say plan as much as you can. And, you know, you hit a really good point too, Stacey, of like, these probably take a week or two and let it breathe a little bit and let them go out and, you know, try to do the best project that they can. And, you know, I wouldn't have a due date at all on any of these that I don't that are due in less than two weeks. Uh, because remember in the beginning, they're also learning um, how to work, whatever equipment we might have at school remote might be a little bit different that I know it's going to take them two or three weeks to finish like a two minute news package that they might do uh, that goes on our TV show. Yeah. I also like to um, leave the date a little open-ended say like, we're going to finish this in about two weeks and then reassess, you know, um, especially when it's, it's a new, if, if it's a new platform or something completely unfamiliar, Alex has a question. He wants to know, would starting with something like Flipgrid be helpful for getting kids used to recording? Definitely. Flipgrid would be an amazing way to do it, especially at the beginning of the school year. I've seen schools do it. Even all teachers introduce themselves. Students introduce themselves. And I love that Flipgrid has, you can put something in front of your face so other people might not see you, you know, or just do the audio. So Flipgrid would be a great tool uh, to use. And frankly, you know, and this is part of the book too. Use what you have. And I'm learning this more in remote learning. Use what you know and also what the students know. Like I would not introduce anything brand new to them 
that I've never used before and they've ever used before if I could, you know, possibly help it. And I'll give you a good example. This year, I want to start using Book Creator that I've seen a lot of really creative multimedia projects done in Book Creator. That I know that is not going to be the first thing that I start with, that I'll start with a wee video that they've done since fourth grade, and now they're in sixth, seventh, or eighth grade, and they've actually, you know, have seen before. So Flipgrid would be great. And I think a lot of people also overlook on every device that we have, you could just turn on the camera or turn on the microphone and just record yourself that you might not even need some of these third-party things to begin with. Just record yourself for whatever the project may be and upload that audio or video file to Google Classroom, even if it was just introducing yourself, um, you know, in the beginning of the year. Although I do, you know, Flipgrid, I know there's tons of great things that you could do on it that other students can also, you know, meet the other students in the class along with meeting the teacher in that example of just introduce yourself and the traditional, like what you did for the summer uh, at the beginning of the school year. So yeah, Flipgrid is great. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Wakelet and in Flipgrid shorts, it's actually built into Wakelet just for the teachers for now that I use that a lot to record myself as I'm introducing myself to the students and then put all the material for classes. So the video is just embedded right into, into Wakelet, Wakelet shorts. I think they're up to 10 minutes now that you can actually record of yourself in a Wakelet short. For our listeners who know nothing about Wakelet, can you just like in like give like a quick 30 second commercial on what that is and what teachers and students will get out of it? Why it's important. I'm going to use Chris's favorite four letter word free. Wakelet Wakelet is completely free. There is no cost at all. And I I discovered Wakelet two years ago and they call it a curation site. So put it as simple as you can. You could put all your things in one place and all those things you could make public and share with your students. And any student can also contribute to your Wakelet site. Under age 13, you give them a code, but over age 13, they could create their own Wakelet site. And in high school, a lot of students are doing this for their portfolios that in Wakelet, you could put bookmarks, you could put YouTube videos without commercials, by the way, it strips everything out, uh, PDFs that goes to your drive and along with Flipgrid Shorts, and simply put a Wakelet, if you ever use S'more, it's very similar to that. It's a very easy way to build a website that you can um, share all your resources. You can also search in Wakelet. So if I wanted to uh, search SEL and get ideas, I could search all other educators' Wakelet boards and come up with ideas. And it's made to copy their boards, which are just folders of ideas. Uh, so Wakelet is a great thing. They're very um, educator-friendly. Even their hashtag Wakelet Wave, an educator came up with. Um, so Wakelet would be is one of my tools that I use a lot. And I would definitely encourage anybody, K-12, through to use Wakelet boards. And people have come up with many ideas. A simple one, too, in elementary school is instead of the traditional letter that you might send home or, you know, weekly things we're doing, you can have a daily Wakelet board with this is exactly what we did. Here's a YouTube video you could practice it with, um, and everything could be could be in one place. So I'm a big Wakelet fan, and I only discovered it two years ago. I wasn't sure exactly how I was going to use it. And then after I went to ISTE two years ago, I had hundreds of bookmarks, and I was emailing them to myself, websites to myself, to then go open the email. Wakelet's a simple way to make folders and pretty much categorize the bookmarks that you have on your computer. 
And the final thing, Stacey, is it works on any device. So I find myself using it a lot on the phone, where if I find a really cool website, if it's for scripted professional development or my school site, I can quickly put it on that Wakelet board in about 10 seconds. And I don't need to know any HTML, any coding, anything about building websites. It's a simple way uh, to build a website is Wakelet. Nice. And Bruce, let me let me flip gears for a second. So we're talking a lot about teachers and what they're doing in the classrooms. Let's look at the administrative side. So what can school leaders do to either push or support uh, staff to start using media and critical thinking in that regard in their classrooms? I mean, I think the biggest thing they could do is model it. I mean, if I were, I'm not, I'm a teacher in my school. If I was the principal or vice principal, I'd be making these videos and a lot of them do. I would be on Facebook Live. I would be on YouTube Live. I would be doing we video. It doesn't matter what the medium would be, but to get out my positive message or and or the message that we're doing now, if we're opening and all the different hybrids that we have, um, the best way to actually show it is through video. And in my own school, I had nothing to do with it. That's exactly what they did in my own school district. Like they said, here's our plan for that we're doing when you come in the school and they, I'm sure they did send some type of writing in a letter, but they made a five-minute video. Here's what it's going to look like when a student comes in. They have to show their phone that now they've gone through the survey. You might go to a different place in the morning. And they acted it out with the administrators they had there in the summer. Um, and I think I would model it for my school and use it to promote my school district and then go find that teacher or teachers in your school that you know might take off with it and see what they could do with it, um, you know, in their classroom. And with older students, and I have not done this yet in my middle school, but I would like to, and kind of building up to it as we add new electives, I would love to have like the student ambassadors be the student tech ambassadors. All schools have different names for them. In high school, and I know like in Waldwick, they do this. He lets them, uh, you know, take over their social media for a day. Uh, Kevin does. I would get the students into it to let them start, promoting the school along with the administration, uh, you know, you know, promoting the school. And Kevin from Wallach, he's like a great example, right? It was the kids' birthdays. What did he do? He went to each one of their houses on every senior's birthday, made a video about it, and, you know, it turned into a really good positive That's thing. Awesome. As, right, the kids weren't, I mean, those poor senior kids, they weren't there from March to June, which I'm sure they lost a lot of the prom and everything else, but they knew when it was their birthday, that principal was making a video about them. Um, so there's, I would model it if I were the administrator. And the second thing I would do, I would go meet with my teachers, you know, maybe start on a grade level where, you know, some teachers are tech savvy and start talking to them. What type of media tool could you use? It doesn't have to be we video or backbone it could be maybe you just have iMovie in your school or Movie Maker and support them to use it and have them start doing curriculum projects with it, uh, you know, that would support support their classroom. But, you know, I think it's a home run for any administrator to go on, whether they're doing a podcast or make a video about your school to promote your school, all the great things that you're doing. And I don't see any way at all that that would have any negative to it at all. Of You know, here's my you know, email, here's my phone call. And here's the link to the video that I made about if it is like the openings of school. Um, I know in my own school district, they do like all three of those things. And I know the parents, I think they find the videos the most helpful. Yeah. Uh, Bruce, I, I got to uh, agree with that because it, 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 
something like this should start at the top. And if you want teachers to feel comfortable, for lack of better words, I'll say, you know, being silly, administrators need to, you know, unbutton the top button, loosen the tie, you know, don't don't be, I mean, if you got into administration to be, you know, buttoned up and uptight and, you know, be a leader, well, well, I mean, you're working in a school and the majority of the people in the school by far are children. Including the teachers. Including the teachers, you know, so we're outnumbered as adults. So in some aspects, we need to relax, even in these trying times, relax, again, tell your story, be a little goofy, you know, and be vulnerable. Yes, be vulnerable. It's one of the things I appreciated most about the opening this year where, you know, our administrators certainly had to use technology that was outside of anything that they would normally venture into because it it it's, you know, like Zoom, for example, right? Just watching the administrators work through Zoom and being gracious with themselves and through that grace and that self-care saying like, this is going to happen to everyone. If you can't figure out how to do this breakout, if I can't figure out how to get you back, I'm sorry, we'll start over and we'll make an announcement. You know, just like whatever it is and you have to like, I hope that people took that as they were watching and, you know, as an example of like, oh, okay, this is not all going to be super on point on Tuesday when we all go back to school here in New Jersey. And it's not all going to be beautiful because no matter what year you're entering, I feel like it's year one. This is my 19th year teaching. I feel like I am starting over and it has nothing to do with like working with a co-teacher, working in a grade level that I've only known for a year. It, it's just nobody's really done this, especially because we're not in crisis mode for teaching. We're in like, like, you know, real teaching and kind of figuring it out and learning from what we did in the spring to elevate and, and improve our practice and the learning for kids. And Chris, you made such a great point before. Like when you first started doing podcasting, you were just like starting it out. I kind of felt the same way on March 16th when I started doing zoom, I never used zoom before. And now I'm using zoom. I can't get rid of the toolbar on the top of the screen when I'm sharing and all these different things. But your point is a good point of just do it as I've done zoom more and more like I'm very comfortable with that tool. I know how to get the toolbar away. I know how to share this or do that. But in the beginning, you don't. And that grace piece is fine. You know, and people see not that you're vulnerable, that you're human. No one's going to know all of it. Um, and I agree with you. I've heard of that from a lot of people, Stacy, saying it's almost like the first day of teaching. Everybody has that feeling in New Jersey when we go back, you know, on Tuesday, whether you're hybrid, half remote, full remote whatever it's going to be. It's a brand new schedule, brand new plan. Um, and the one thing that I do know, especially in the beginning, and I'm looking forward to is even though I'm teaching remotely, the teachers are going to be in the school. There will be like an AM and PM session in the school. And just to see other people after we were all isolated for months and months in New Jersey, you know, is just a great thing just to see other people that are in the school yeah. and makes you feel hopeful and I'm just hopeful that schools can keep it going for a while, that it's going to be safe enough, uh, whatever the amount of time is going to be. So teachers get to know their students, especially elementary teachers, but all teachers, and then just take the rest of the year from there and take it one day at a time. Go as far as we can, right? So Bruce, we, we you know you're you're an avid listener. You know how we end um, that one question. So I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up for you a little bit. It's been an odd year. PD has been kind of scattershot. So in an ideal situation or in a COVID, post-COVID, um, 
and by post COVID, I mean like what we're living in now, right? Like post the advent of COVID, what is your ideal way to get your PD or to deliver PD? Your choice. I mean, the best way that I've ever found is Twitter. Go on Twitter. There are so many different people that are on there. And then once you're on Twitter, you know, it's not easy to do in the beginning, but DM people that you're talking to if you want to have side conversations with them. Uh, last year, I taught digital leadership citizenship for the first time, and I DM'd authors of books that I read about it. And I was like astonished that you hear from them, you know, back right away. And the other PD thing that I would say is, you know, Thomas Friedman's book of the world is flat. It's flatter now than ever. I mean, there's more PD that you could do online than you have time for. And I got involved with last year, the global GEG group. And from New Jersey, I'm meeting nine o'clock Thursday morning on wellness, school opening, school issues with teachers from five or six different countries, uh, England, France, South America, all over the place. And I would leverage those things that we've done in remote learning, if you're still in remote or not. But, you know, this year, everybody knows Zoom. Go get an expert of the week of whatever you teach and bring that expert into your classroom, whether you're remote or not. Everybody is home and everybody is willing to help. So I would say use Twitter, keep using Zoom beyond your classroom, because um, even my parents who are in their 80s, they know how to click on a Zoom link and go to things for senior citizens. I think everybody, it's become a comfort level. Send me the link and then I'll be on. And I think everybody wants to help educators. So my advice would be, you know, don't be bashful. Like go ask people in the curriculum area that you teach. If it's if I taught language arts, I would be, you know, DMing writers to come in my class and talk to students about writing. Um, okay. And you could apply that to any curriculum area. And I have to say, like, that's been something where people have been very generous in giving of their time and their resources is is for educators, whether it be writers, um, illustrators, people, people want to help kids learn. I think 99.9% of people, I know there's the other 0.1%, but if you DM them and say, you know, I listen to your podcast, I really like your podcast, I enjoy it, and, you know, is there a way that you can come talk to my students about podcasting? I think 99 out of 100 podcasters would jump at that opportunity to connect with your students, even if they're in a different part of the country or a different part of the world, as long as you figure out the tricky time zones. You know, people like when you're giving them good praise and they will come on your Zoom anytime that you want. People want to be helpful. I'm the 0.1% that would point to Chris, though. I just want to say, like, Chris is the expert in this trio of podcasts. Well, here I was going to say, Bruce, we're all in New Jersey. Just let us know when you want the three of us to come and speak to your students about podcasting and we'll be there. Just send us the link. Chris will be <laughs> I will I will be doing that. I'll send you guys a link and it would be cool. Um the other the other quick thing I thought about to bring this into the classroom, if you really want students to be six feet away and they're in the classroom, how cool would it be for kids to be conferencing within the class with each other in Zoom? Because they're used yeah. to doing it or Google Meet, whatever the tool may be, and they could just put on their headsets. You could go around and make sure everyone's, you know, doing the correct thing. But I really think the communication piece and the other piece that, you know, has been apparent to me is I've met more people in the last four or five months than I didn't I met in a long time, even though I know a lot of them virtually and I haven't met them face to face you know the special feeling when you get to meet them and they're sharing something with you. If it's on Twitter, Facebook, or whatever you, um, you know, use for social media. 
Um, I think, you know, educators really want to help other educators and it makes them feel not so isolated too. Yeah. Th- thanks for giving us that special feeling tonight, Bruce. <laughs> well, you started with the cousin Brucey thing. I had to leave us like tingly when we're leaving. He's back <laughs> on Bruce, terrestrial radio. That's tingling. <laughs> so <laughs> the book once again is scripted an educator's guide to media in the classroom. It is from EduMatch publishing it is a resource book for all educators, not just quote unquote TV teachers. And it provides the scope and sequence that you will need to bring digital media into your classroom. The book provides classroom proven strategies and resources, as well as trials and tribulations. Bruce, I believe you brought the tribulations <laughs> uh, and ideas to assist educators. The authors again are Randall Thomas. He is at Randall Tomes one. Did I say Randall Thomas? Sorry. Randall Tomes. He is at Randall Tomes one on Twitter, Paula Needlinger. She is at P need N E I D and the incomparable cousin, Brucey, cousin, Brucey, Bruce, Bruce <laughs> Reicher at B Reicher on Twitter. That is B R E I C H E R. There'll be a link out to this book in the show notes at podcastpd.com slash 83 connect with these authors because I mean, Bruce has been DMing people all over the world. So go hit them up, DM them. Bring them into your classroom via Zoom and Skype and Google Class, Google Meet, whatever. Get them on there. He will help you. Bruce is a fantastic guy. So are his co-authors. And uh, Bruce, thank you for sharing the good word about Scripted with us. No, thanks so much for having us uh, on tonight. And I'm so glad you got to re- meet Randy. Hopefully you will meet Paula in the future. And um, scriptededucators.com is the website. And you know, at this point, we're just so excited to see what people create. And, you know, I'm sure they're going to come up with a lot of ideas we didn't even think of uh, from the book. And at this point, that's going to be the really fun and exciting part. And I wish the three of you and everybody, you know, have a great and safe 2021 school year. Nice. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks so much, Bruce. Thank you so much for, for your time. Thank you. All right, before we get to what we're listening to, where we're going to share one podcast recommendation, and I've got that task for this episode, we just want to remind you that if you get value from conversations like this, uh, and you've ever wondered if you could somehow support what we do here on Podcast PD, the answer is yes, you can. You can support the show on a monthly or a yearly basis by becoming a Podcast PD executive producer. You can support us either monthly for $5 or yearly for 50 as a thank you for your support every executive producer will receive a podcast pd executive producer sticker and if you support the show on a yearly basis we will send you the sticker and a mug and a t-shirt for more information you can go to podcastpd.com slash executive producer and we want to thank our current executive producers adam kelly and mike brilla thank you so much for supporting podcast pd Woohoo, thank you all right. Ready for my recommendation? Yes. What are we listening to? This one. So here we go. I was reading this article on what? Ed Week, Education Week, so edweek.org, and this is a podcast called Por Nuestros Niños, For Our Children. Is it in Spanish? It is. And here is the premise of we of Por Nuestros Niños, the, the description in English, but I could do it in Spanish if you wanted me to. So we all understand that education is the vehicle that will propel students' socio... Uh, hold on, I'm reading is hard. 
That's why you said you read an article. It surprised me. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you skimmed the article. You found the link to the podcast. <laughs> no, no. I read the article and now I'm reading. Shut up. Anyway, the joy of live. So here's the description of this podcast. Por nuestros niños, for our children. We all understand that education is the vehicle that will propel them socioeconomically forward. The children. Parents are children's first teachers, and they are the most important key to help them succeed. This podcast introduces professors, teachers, and expert educators to U.S. Spanish-speaking parents that want to understand how the U.S. public education system can best serve their bilingual children. The show shares tools, resources, and sage advice based on research and science to help children thrive in many languages. So you can find Por Nuestros Niños at pdo.org slash podcast. And again, the article that led me to this on edweek.org, I will link to it in the show notes. Uh, the title of the article is Spanish-speaking parents need support. This new podcast may help. So the point of this podcast created by a woman in Florida believes that Spanish-speaking families have questions about education, especially in these current COVID times. And here's a podcast to support and provide information about what's going on in education to the Spanish-speaking parent. Chris, I have a great podcast. Can I do a guest podcast recommendation? Uh, that's why I didn't hang up on you. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I have, a, I have a great one. And this one I just started listening to. It's not an education podcast, by the way. It's called the Live Inspired Podcast. The gentleman's name is John O'Leary. He's a New York Times bestselling author. And his story, um, I learned it from another podcast. When he was nine years old, he was in the garage and the gasoline for the lawnmower caught on fire. 95% of his body was burned and he survived. And there's a sports tie-in here with Jack Buck, the old St. Louis Cardinals announcer, went and visited him in the hospital and said, you'll make it, kid. You'll make it, kid. This happened to him when he was nine years old. And he recovered from it. And unfortunately, his fingers on his hands were burned off. And Jack Buck said, if you could learn to write thank you on the baseballs, I'll keep bringing you baseballs from all the St. Louis Cardinals. And... He recovered from this tragedy. He has on his show Joe Buck, Jack Buck's uh, son, introduce him, you know, in the podcast. And he has all people that have overcome all of these different things, whether it's business people, sports people, anything. And every Monday he does like a six minute inspiration for the week. Now he's married. He has, you know, three or four children and he's written uh, these books on inspiration and how to approach life even when tragedy strikes how are you going to deal with it and it's very very good live inspired podcast with john o'leary it's got yeah, quite I, the back I, I catalog here I'll, I'll have it in the show notes yeah every monday a quick burst of inspiration every thursday interviews with an amazing guest about uh their success their failures their lessons good share bruce I'm, I'm bringing it to the table you know i heard it tonight bruce read read the whole article thanks bruce <laughs> I read the whole article. I was just, you know, I'm not going to sit here and read the article I read to people. Whatever. No, I actually, I actually, wow. whatever. <laughs> no, I actually learned about his this summer and it's not an education one, but now it's on my, it's on my list every week to listen to. And it's a great show. 
you know what? Something like this, for me, you know, when I check it out, would fall under personal improvement, personal growth. Yeah. Because, again, hearing these stories of other people, mm-hmm. you're listening to these conversations because you want to be inspired. And, you know, whether it's a show that's like this specifically to inspire you in your classroom, well, listening to podcasts like Live Inspired, there you go, will inspire you in your life by hearing other people's stories. So it's an education. All podcasts are educational. In some yeah, I mean, there's some really awesome names in here. John Gordon, mm-hmm. Jeff Goins, um, Mitch Album, the Tuesdays with Maury guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, him. yeah. Yeah. And his and his conversations are phenomenal that he has with people of they know what he's overcome before he interviews them. He finds out what they have overcome. And he's just a very good uh, you know, interviewer. And pre-COVID, he went around the country and was speaking all over the place. Mm-hmm. But uh, once the COVID hit, I think he started even doing more of the podcasting because he couldn't uh, couldn't get around the country. I love it. I just downloaded here, here, here three episodes. More Jillian Michaels, Cal Ripken Jr. Nice. And mm-hmm. his podcast I actually got turned on to because Don Goble, who you might know from Twitter, mm-hmm. Don Goble is like an award-winning high school media teacher. He um, did his own passion project during COVID, which was to go interview as many people as he could from his high school that were now in broadcasting, whether they were engineers in front of the camera, behind the camera. And he had Joe Buck on his show through just DMing him and saying that he's doing this project. And would Joe Buck like to come on? And Joe Buck gets into the whole story of how he learned about John O'Leary from his dad. And that's what was the reason why I started listening, you know, to the show. I'm like, I'll give it a try and see if I like it. And he is an excellent interviewer and, You'll listen. It, it, it is inspiring because you know where it's coming from. If you're nine years old and 95% of your birdie, body was burned and now you've made it and you're a successful writer, author, and podcaster and all these other things, it's a, it's a great story. I'm going to recommend episode 281, An Open Letter of Gratitude to Teachers. Read that on Tuesday as you resume teaching from this long weekend or for us in New Jersey, most of us anyway, um, going back on Tuesday for the first time with kids. My own children don't go back until the 14th. Don't get me started. But I love it. Thanks, Bruce. That's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of starting, Stacey, let's end it. Let's end it. All right. It is time to say adios, au revoir, al wiedersehen, hasta la vista. Say goodbye, Christopher. Goodbye, Christopher. Say goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, AJ. Thanks for joining us and say goodbye, Bruce. Goodbye, Cousin Brucey. (laughs) Bye, Podcast PD. Thank you for checking out this episode of Podcast PD. For links to everything that we discussed in this episode, you can visit the show notes at our website, podcastpd.com. To connect with the show on social media, we are at podcastpd on Instagram and Twitter, and we share using the hashtag podcastpd. To connect with Stacy, AJ, and myself, we are on Twitter at Mr. Nessie, at Stacy Lindis, and at AJ Bianco. We would love to hear from you, so please go to podcastpd.com slash feedback and send us an email, send us a voice message, whatever you need to do. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you share it with somebody that you think would get value from it. Word of mouth is the best way to share a podcast you enjoy, and we hope you enjoyed Podcast PD. 
We appreciate you listening. We appreciate your sharing. And we love creating this podcast for you. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.